This is what God, the Lord, says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Let us pray. Infinite presence, as we follow and study the life of Jesus from the time of his condemnation until his crucifixion and death, it is also a time to review our own lives and ask for help in those areas where we have not done well. When we find areas where we need help, let us not become discouraged or give in to despair, but rather turn to you as a child to a parent and humbly ask for your divine help and guidance. Help me live one day at a time and never relive the past or worry about the future. Help me accept each day as it comes and to live it the way that you and I know best. Never let me say if I had the chance to live it over, I would do this or that. Knowing myself, if I had the chance, I would probably make the same mistakes again. Help me to live each moment to its fullest, and in the newness of each moment, give me comfort of soul and peace of mind. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Alleluia. come together today to pray in remembrance of him who on this day 2,000 years ago met and finally overcame every obstacle that life on the mortal plane can present to man. This was the supreme test of his life here on earth, the time when he proved that man, having faith in God, 
can rise above all earthly limitations to attain spiritual perfection. We do not think of Good Friday as a day of sorrow, nor do we attempt to enter into the suffering of Jesus by emphasizing the horrors of the crucifixion, which was one of the cruelest means of putting men to death. Good Friday is, however, a solemn and profoundly sacred occasion. We see in it experience through which the soul passes from sense to spiritual consciousness. It represents the crossing out of all that belongs to man's unregenerate nature, his false beliefs, and his destructive emotions. Jesus took his place among men, revealing to them the light which lights every man coming into the world. But they did not comprehend his words. On the cross, he showed those who follow after how to erase the negative states of mind that hold men back and down and how to speak the word that releases from bondage. Except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abides by itself alone. But if it die, it bears much fruit. This is what the crucifixion means to us. The death of the mortal that the spiritual may rise triumphant. We do not meditate on the suffering and death of one man who loved humanity. Instead, we take the words he said and use them in loosing and letting go of those mortal beliefs that fasten us to limitation. Jesus' words from the cross represent steps to be taken in the redemption of the human consciousness. Throughout his life on earth, he taught these steps. And his words from the cross reveal and sum up the steps of consciousness to be attained in the liberation of our own soul. Seven times he spoke words that reveal his final emancipation from human bondage. Four times love, the resurrecting power spoke through Jesus. First as forgiveness of enemies, then as impersonal love, extending mercy and compassion to a stranger. Love in its personal aspect, protecting and tender, was expressed in his thought for his mother. And finally, his love of God burst forth in absolute trust and complete surrender. Today is our opportunity to enter into the freeing process that begins with forgiveness and ends with the surrendering of the soul to God. Let us be still and affirm through the Christ in me, I can and do cross out all that does not belong to me as a child of God.
None of the four Gospels records all the seven words of Jesus on the cross. Each gives one or more sayings, and, and Bible students have arranged them in sequential order so that they form a definite pattern of unfoldment when considered spiritually. Jesus was nailed to the cross at nine in the morning, and during the first three hours, he spoke three times. In his words, he fulfilled his entire obligation to man, first, by forgiving those who spitefully used him, second, by promising mercy to one repentant malefactor, and third, by discharging his responsibility to his mother. The first word was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is forgiveness based on understanding. One of the most destructive emotions that holds us back and down is our reluctance to forgive those who harm us. Everyone meets injustice time and time again. This is inevitable because we are in constant association with those in mortal consciousness and a sense of injustice is a part of that consciousness. We ourselves have also been unjust. Sometimes we mistake a person's motive and condemn where no condemnation is deserved. Sometimes in seeking our own ends, we trample on another's rights. Sometimes the situation is reversed and we feel oppressed. The Christ forgives. We cannot forgive in the human consciousness, but we can rise to a higher state of mind and let the forgiving love of Christ move through us. Jesus rose above condemnation in his understanding of why he had been chosen to be persecuted by his own people. The Jews who cried crucify him did not know they were demanding the death of the Messiah. They considered Jesus one who would destroy their religion and be a menace to their political and economic life. They acted in the ignorance of human selfishness. And Jesus, who understood this, prayed that they be forgiven. At this moment, let us forget all toward whom we feel any resentment. Let us forgive them, for forgiveness is one of the first essentials of a loving consciousness and is necessary to our spiritual ongoing. We cannot progress with antagonism in our hearts toward anyone. Let us silently pray the Christ in me forgives and forgets all human hurts. I freely forgive even as I ask God to forgive my own trespasses.
Jesus was crucified between two malefactors, one a thief whom the Roman government had condemned to death. One of them reviled him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, whom tradition calls Dismas, and who might have heard Jesus in the days of his ministry, declared that they were being punished for their sins, but that this man has done nothing wrong. Turning to Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. To this repentant person, Jesus made the promise, today shall you be with me in paradise. There's a a great spiritual truth contained in these words. No matter what we have done or how far short of the spiritual ideal we have fallen, when we turn to the Christ, the promise of redemption is made. This is the grace of God. In any period of trial, we take the attitude of one or the other of these malefactors. That is, we condemn and resist, or we admit our mistakes and ask for mercy. It is always forthcoming, for God is love. Let us silently now pray. In faith I turn to Christ and enter into the realization that this day I am one with my good. At the foot of the cross stood Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the beloved disciple. Jesus 
never permitted human devotions to turn him aside from the work he had to do. Even at the tender age of 12, he informed his elders, I must be in my father's house. However, he recognized that man has personal obligations, and he fulfilled his duty to his mother by placing her in the care of John. Tradition says that Mary lived with John the remainder of her life. There are those who have righteous claims on our love, our care, our protection, and we are responsible. Some people make a a bondage of their responsibilities. Others shirk them. Jesus didn't either. He had found that perfect balance which should govern human relationships. And he reminds us at this time that we should consider and make provision for those whose welfare we are justly responsible. Let us silently pray, Father, help me to fulfill every righteous obligation wisely and lovingly. At the sixth hour, three o'clock, there was darkness over all the land. For almost three hours, no word came from the cross, and then Jesus spoke. We should remember that the crucifixion represents the crossing out of that which belongs to the mortal state of mind, and this Jesus showed us how to do. He is the divine expression itself through the human. And we cannot go forward without redeeming the mortal beliefs In the fourth word, Jesus gave expression to the false belief of the human consciousness that God has forsaken it. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus said this brings him very near to us. His cry expresses the accumulated distress of humanity in that hour when the soul feels itself forsaken. He gave voice to this false belief and showed all men how to be rid of it. As Paul said in chapter 6 of his letter to the Romans, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away, that so we should not longer be in bondage to sin. The words My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are the opening words of the 22nd Psalm. This Psalm depicts the experience on the cross. It reads, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. While this psalm is a cry of suffering, it is also a cry of deliverance, rising to this consoling realization. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. I will declare your name to my brothers. 
In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. In repeating the opening words of the 22nd Psalm, it was as if Jesus took the human consciousness and lifted it up to the realization of the omnipresence of love. Let us now speak together the words that bring us to our remembrance the truth that God is with us. Dear God, your love comforts me and your saving power strengthens me in this hour. The fifth word was, I thirst. The one merciful act shown Jesus while he was on the cross was the sponge soaked with vinegar that a Roman soldier raised to his lips. The body must be released from its attachment to the physical and be known for what it really is, the temple of the living God, sustained by the living water of spirit. If Jesus' mind was dwelling on the scriptures, as the fourth word would seem to indicate, the cry, I thirst, might have been a reference to the 143rd Psalm. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. The rest of this psalm is a testimonial to faith in God. By expressing the physical suffering of humanity and rising above it, Jesus released mankind from bodily pain. Even as our body cries, I thirst, there is with us now the realization that we may taste of the living water and be revived. Let us together speak the word for healing. I drink of the living water of spirit, and every need of my body is fulfilled. i
Almost immediately after the preceding two cries, Jesus lifted his consciousness to spiritual heights as he cried, It is finished! God's work has been completed from the beginning. We live now in that perfect universe, which is the creation of divine mind. Nothing that we can say or do changes the truth that in him We live and move and have our being. We need not strive or struggle or painstakingly attempt to establish perfection. It comes outwardly as the result of our realization that a perfect work was completed when we were made in God's own image. It remains for us to behold the finished creation. Let us be still and know God created me perfect, whole, entire, and spirit's work is finished. I praise and give thanks as I behold God's perfection in my mind, body, and affairs. The seventh and last word is the complete surrender of Jesus to God. Father, 
into your hands I commend my spirit. The whole of our training spiritually is to enable us to come to this point in complete surrender, the giving of ourselves into God's hands. When we cast aside the mortal self, we give God a chance to move through us, and spirit never fails to do that part. Less of me and more of you is the right formula for solving all human problems. As we take this final step of surrendering ourselves to spirit, our entire being is caught up by the mighty power of God. We have finished the process of crossing out and are ready for the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit to bring about the miracle of transforming the human into the divine. Let us silently pray. Into the care and keeping of God, I give myself and all that concerns me. I rest from my labors and let God's will for good be done. Alleluia. God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God's countenance be lifted up upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>